Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, Coach Paula. Ooh, it's been a long weekend. It has been. It's been a long week coming back from Boston. Yep. Finally ran Boston on Patriots Day. Congratulations to you and your running buddy, Suzanne Anderson. Yep. She was a pleasure to coach and to run with, and we're already looking futuristically to decide what's next. You're looking at me like, hmm... You are always looking for the next adventure. Yes. So I think I talked about it before on this podcast that I really wanted to Boston qualify at Boston, which with my age, my Boston qualifying standard is four hours and five minutes. And I finished it in four hours, eight minutes and three seconds. So I was about three minutes and three seconds off a Boston qualifier and I've also mentioned before on this podcast that we had four races planned this year and we've completed the Mesa Marathon and now the Boston Marathon and I guess by we I mean me because you're still working through and taking good care of your foot which is getting better and better and then my next race was to be Chicago which isn't until after the 2023 Boston qualification window. So in the back of my mind, I know that Lee and Suzanne are going to do another race and likely Boston qualify. So it would be nice to be able to train. I like to train with somebody. And if she's going to do Boston again, I'll at least train with her. I'm not sure we can afford Boston every year, but it's a fun trip. It is an expensive trip, but back to your point about training with somebody, it is so much better when you can train with somebody who's of a comparable level as you or can push you a little bit. Yeah, and you know, it's a, and she finished, I don't know, about a minute 45 seconds ahead of me in the Boston race. We ran together for 24 miles and then she uh, sped up a little bit there in the last couple miles and I just kind of pranced in and enjoyed Boylston Street maybe a little too much. So she saw the sit-go sign and took off? Well, that was about 25 miles. She had taken off a little, well, yeah, she, we could see it for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, she had a great race and had a lot left in her at the end and did great. But anyway, it is nice to train. We don't do all of our runs together, although we're both retired. It's amazing how extremely busy we both are. So we're able to hit two or three runs a week together and then get the other ones in on our own and it all works out. Yeah. (laughs) But I thought it might be interesting for our listeners to compare a little bit the October Boston to the April Boston. I think that'll be good, but I've got some random news nuggets that I would like to discuss before we jump into the main topic. Oh, okay. I wasn't really expecting that to be the main topic, but it can be. Okay. It certainly can be. So let's talk about your random morsels of news nuggets. Random News Nuggets, R-N-M. I like that. You like that? R-N-M. R-N-M. Random <laughs> News Nuggets. You like it so much, you're looking at me weird when I say the initials like, huh, is that right? <laughs> All right, so I enjoy following several news sources, and occasionally I come across something that I, I just find interesting, and I want to share it with you, and I want to share it with our listeners. Do you remember... Back when we were in high school, maybe even before we were in high school, I don't know any music by this musician, but do you remember the name Alice Cooper? I remember him looking a little scary to me. 
But you have to understand, I grew up in a very, very conservative Christian home in which such artists would not be allowed to be played in my home. Well, I was reading a story this week. At some point in his life, this heavy metal musician gave his life to Christ. Oh, you don't know how old he was? I don't know. But apparently he's still performing, performing with other bands that may not have the same beliefs that he has. But he, in this article, was saying that he is demonstrating Christ around others in the environment that he came from. And anyway, it's just amazing that it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter how crazy you are or have been, God can make a change in your life and you can start afresh and new. God's mercies are new every morning. And on a similar note, I did not know that Dog the Bounty Hunter was a Christian. Did you know that? I don't even know who Dog the Bounty Hunter is. All right, Dog the Bounty Hunter has a reality show, and I, don't, I haven't seen it. I dog just, as in D-O-G? Yeah. Dog? Dog. Is the person's name? It's a nickname. Oh. Or is there a dog that's a bounty hunter? It's a man. A man named Dog the Bounty Hunter. Anyhow. He has a reality show where he goes and finds people that the law enforcement are looking for. You know, bounty hunting. Apparently, he was on the reality show The Masked Singer. Have you ever seen that show? I've heard of that show. I have never watched an episode. Apparently, he was wearing a 200-pound armadillo costume, (laughs) and he was singing. He's not a natural singer, but what I found interesting and what made me think this was a random news nugget is when he was voted off the show, apparently that's how it works, he sang Amazing Grace. So you just never know by looking at somebody or what their profession is or where they've come from. They might be a Christian. And you know what? That reminds me of the scripture for which I'm going to have you tell me where it is. But man looks at outward appearance, but God sees the heart. Well, that would happen to be in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. All right, the next random news nugget with the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. You know, our hearts go out to the people over there, and it is so easy for us to take for granted the peace that we have in the United States right now. Lord willing, that will continue indefinitely. But I did not know that Russian athletes were being banned from the Ironman World Championship in St. George, which is two weeks away, and I'm not sure if they were allowed to run in Boston. They were not. They were also banned. If they had Russian citizenship but were not residing in Russia, they could run Boston. But if they were residing in Russia and had Russian citizenship, they could not participate in the Boston Marathon. That's my understanding for the Ironman World Championship as well, which again is in St. George, Utah on May the 7th, so we're just a couple of weeks away, and I'm pretty excited about it. Are you excited enough to fly out there and watch it? I've actually thought about it. You have not mentioned it. We've got a lot of travel plans this year. We do. But I feel like I'm probably going to see more if I just plan to sit in front of Facebook Live all day that day. Yeah, you'll probably see a lot of it that way. But there's just something about being at the live venue. You've actually never gotten to be a spectator at Ironman World Championships because when we went to Kona, I was a spectator along with Bethany, and you were a participant. Mm -hmm. You know how last October you ran the Boston Marathon, and that may be the only time ever that the Boston Marathon is in October. This may be the one and only time that the Ironman World Championship is in the spring and in St. George. Could be. You don't know. In the last podcast, we talked about some athletes who were dealing with injuries. Uh, Joe Skipper has announced that he is no longer going to be competing in the Ironman World Championship because of side effects from COVID. He's doing okay, but his energy level just hasn't been where it needed to be for him to do the training 
that he needed. So it's going to be really interesting both on the men's side and the women's side. And I'm really looking forward to it in a couple weeks. The last thing that I wanted to talk about was the Perry-Roubaix cycling race that occurred last week. We had talked about Team DSM having a tire pressure management system that they were going to be debuting at Perry-Roubaix. Apparently they decided to hold off on that and they're going to save that for the cobbles of the Tour de France. So yet to see how big of an impact that will have on the performance of that team. And then also in Perry-Roubaix, just an incredible accident that Yves Lampart had where on a cobble section, he like all the other riders, try to get to the very outside edge just off of the cobbles. Because can you imagine riding your road bike on massive boulders? It's just not a pleasant experience. But anyway, a spectator, an enthusiastic spectator who was leaning out over the barricade, cheering, got his arm tangled up in Eve's handlebar and Eve lost control and acrobatically flipped, landed pretty much flat on his back instead of his shoulder, which probably saved him from a broken collarbone. He got up and got on his bike and continued on. You know, I'm surprised spectator interference doesn't happen more often because they are rowdy and close. And you never know if it's just the camera angle or if they're really that close, but they look so close. And evidently, in this case, too close. Evidently. It's crazy. All right, back to what you wanted to talk about. You wanted to compare Boston October to Boston April. Yeah. So first of all, I want to talk a little bit about accommodations because we have athletes ask, you know, all the time, where's the best place to stay? You can stay near the start line or you can stay near the finish line or you can stay somewhere in between or there's a lot of different options. So I'll compare the accommodations first. So in October, I stayed at the Longwood Inn, which is approximately two miles from the finish line and probably about a mile and a half from Boston Common, which is where you catch the buses in the morning. And for those of you who don't know, Boston is actually a trek to Boston. It's a point-to-point course. So in the morning, the buses transport you, school buses, I may add, transport you to Hopkinton, which is 26.2 miles from Boston. And so The Boston Marathon is actually a trek to Boston Marathon. You're only in Boston the last few miles of the race. So I stayed at the Longwood Inn, which was about a mile and a half from where I needed to be on race morning and about two miles from the convention center, which is where packet pickup and the expo were being held. But the nice thing about, even though I was two miles away, Bethany went with me. We were three-tenths of a mile from the T, which is similar to like the New York City subway, but they call it the T there. And so with about a six or seven minute walk or, you know, two to three minute jog, we could be on the green line and it was just a few stops away. So it was pretty convenient, but at the same time you were at the mercy of the train schedule. So if you got there a minute after the train left, you might be waiting 10 or 15 minutes before the next train came by, depending on the time of day. So where we stayed this time was actually about less than four-tenths of a mile from Boston Commons, which is, again, where you go to catch the bus to be transported. And to me, that was an ideal situation because there was no stress about, okay, what time do I need to leave the hotel room? Like, we had walked it several times and we knew how many minutes it was going to take to leave our hotel room and to arrive at Boston Common. So I definitely preferred staying right there in the Boston Commons area. What did we say? The Hyatt Regency? Hyatt Regency, Boston. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's another Hyatt Regency in that area as well, but it's much farther from Boston Common. It's yeah. more along the river, I think. Yeah, the one close to Boston Common is on Avenue de Lafayette. Yeah. So the hotel had a little bit of a strange layout because you had to get on two different elevators to get to our room, which it, that didn't bother me at all, but you seem to be a little bit annoyed by that setup. Yes, I think part of it was having to use your key card to go up the second elevator. And then also part of it was having to wear the mask on the elevator. It it was fine. It it just wasn't super convenient. I would have liked to have found a set of stairs to bypass that first elevator. Yeah, I don't even know if we looked for a set of... I didn't. I don't know that there were any stairs. And I think that whole setup was to keep the hotel limited to guests and and not passers-by, which reminds me of something else. I'm taking a tangent here. I I think you were in the fitness room one time, maybe twice, and I was down there two or three times in the Hyatt Regency, Boston. But you got off on the sixth floor of the hotel, and then you had to walk down a corridor and a set of stairs and some more stairs and some more stairs. And who knows where you actually were when you got to the fitness room, maybe on the third floor. But I was thinking about it as we were traveling home. I did not take any time to figure out where the emergency exit was from the fitness room. Because if you were going back out the way you came in, that was a long trek. So... Shame on me for not scoping that out just a little better. It's always a good idea to know your alternate route of exit. I feel like we're at your work and we're doing a safety tip at the moment. (laughs) I'm just not sure the hotel had all the safety precautions in place. Yeah, I mean, maybe there were exit signs. I don't know. I didn't pay attention either. If we go back, we'll look at that. I never went to the fitness room until after the marathon... And so the three flights of probably 16 to 18 steps each were definitely taxing on my post-marathon quadriceps. And we descended into the fitness room first and going downstairs is always more challenging for me after a marathon than going up the steps. But I was able to continue my streak, even though my quads were a little angry with me Tuesday when I did my run. They were not as angry as when I did my post-Mesa two-mile run. So two comments I want to throw out. One, it was an amazing fitness room for a hotel. And two, since you donated your running shoes in Hopkinton, (laughs) the only thing you had to keep your streak alive in was your racing shoes. How did that go? It was awesome. I had on my, what are they called, 2%. You get the vapor flies. Vapor flies or next percent vapor flies. I think that's what I ran in this time. And um, yeah, it didn't matter. I was still going slow on the treadmill with trashed quads. So I'm not sure those shoes, which I've raced in them. I think this is the third marathon I've raced in these shoes. So they've probably lost all their carbon plated advantage, quote unquote advantage at this point. But they still feel comfortable and they were expensive. So I'm just going to wear them. They look fast. They look fast. And, you know, mentally they're just in my head fast. So, anyway, back to the two hotels that you were finished with the fitness room tangent. So, the long one in, which I know prices are going to vary from year to year, was $250 a night to be two miles away and a little bit tied to the T schedule. Was that through Marathon Tours? Yes. And then the Hyatt Regency was three sixty nine a night, so you're you know you're paying another hundred twenty bucks a night. But this time the room was much larger than the Longwood Inn room was, and we did share the room with Lee and Suzanne, so able to split that cost. But I like the convenience of it. I know you aren't overly thrilled with it, but even if we Go back to Boston, maybe not the Hyatt Regency, but I would definitely like to think about continuing to stay in the Boston Commons area. The Ritz-Carlton was right around the corner. Was it? That sounds pricey. It does sound pricey. Yeah. 
So anyway, that was one difference for me, which that's not really a difference because it was October and April. But there were definitely some differences from October to April. So in October and in April, I was given a time to report to the buses. And in October, that time was based strictly on my bib number because it was a rolling start. And in April, it was based on the color of my bib. And so they said, okay, all red bibs show up at 6.45. All white bibs show up at 7.30. All blue bibs show up at 8.15. And all yellow bibs show up at 9. So being the amazing rule follower that I am here in April... Suzanne and I showed up right around 8.15, maybe 8.20, but definitely at the beginning of the 45-minute window. And we were, I can't even explain to you the lines. I don't know if you saw the bus lines because I think you kind of walked us to the entrance and took off. Yeah, we walked you all to where you would get on the buses. We wanted to make sure you all didn't change your mind and go back to the hotel. (laughs) And then we hustled to the T to make our way out to Wellesley. Yeah, which we'll get to in a little bit. Anyway, the lines were unbelievably long, and there were tons of yellow bibs already intermingled with the blue bibs. So, you know, we, were, we thought, well, we have all kinds of time. You know, it's 8.15, and the race doesn't start till 10.50. Well, by the time we actually got in a bus line, which we went, there was a line of 20 bus stops. So there were 20 buses lined up on one side of the street, and then another 20 lined up on the other side of the street. And so they were loading 40 buses fairly quickly, but you just can't even imagine how many people were in line like it's indescribable so we went all the way back to the last bus line which was the shortest line and we were able to get on the third bus that was loaded so they loaded the bus on our side of the street and then the bus crossed the street all those went and then we were able to just barely get on the third bus so and those buses hold quite a few adults at two to a seat so anyway we get out Two, so it was, we got there at 8.15, it was 9.36 when we actually got on a bus. So that's how long the line was. It's a long time to be on your feet. It was a long time. And then it was, I take that back, 8.15 we got in line, 8.36 we were on the bus, which is still a long time to be in line. And then the bus ride took an hour and four minutes, so now it's... It's close to 9.50 when we're out there. Well, they were taking people with blue bibs out of Athlete's Village at 10.05, which there was no way we were going to leave Athlete's Village at 10.05 because the porta potty lines, I cannot even explain to you how deep the porta potty lines were. I mean, there were tons of porta potties, but the lines were huge. There's tons of people. 30,000, right? Yeah. But at this point, some of the athletes had started. At this point, you would think half of the athletes were gone and a fourth of the athletes not there yet. So technically, there should have been only, there was 24,000 racers. So technically, there should have been 6,000 there, which is still a ton, I guess. But compare that experience. Anyway, we went to the restroom, got our shoes changed. Got our sweatpants off, finally headed for the, like a one mile walk to the corral, 1.1 miles to the corral, which that takes a little bit of time to walk that distance. Another bank of porta potties with another huge line. And again, a ton of yellow bibs had already left Athlete's Village, even though they were told at this point to stay in Athlete's Village. So had to wait in line again at the porta potty. So long story short, We walked up to where it said Corral 7, and as soon as we did, they dropped the barrier for Corral 8. So we, like, within, if we had been five seconds later, we would have just been mixed in with corrals with athletes who were seated at slower times. Hmm. So compare that to October, where 
You get on a bus, you get out there. There was no waiting around an athlete's village, so there were, once again, hundreds of porta-potties. But if you went the road less traveled, there were zero people in line at a lot of the porta-potties. So the experience of a rolling start, first of all, at Boston Commons, getting on the bus was not an issue. It was not the crowding. There were still people there early that shouldn't have been there yet, but for whatever reason, there wasn't the crowding of the buses. And then when you got to Athlete's Village, there was no Athlete's Village. You just went to the restroom and took off when you wanted to. And the athletes were, therefore, much more spread out. So when you do a wave start like we did in April, it's wall-to-wall people, and you're basically... Your first two-mile pace is at the mercy of what's happening around you because it's just there's nowhere to go. So you go the pace, the crowd's moving. Whereas in October with the rolling start, I just got to settle into what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So with this bus experience, the next time you go or the advice you would give to somebody else, would that be to ignore the recommendations and get on the buses early or would you suggest taking public transportation to get out to Hopkinton and avoid the buses altogether? Well, I definitely wouldn't take public transportation because again, you're tied to their schedules, but but it's, I, it's a known schedule. It's published. It is a known schedule, but it has to be coordinated with the shuttles. When you take public transportation out to Hopkinton, you still have to catch a Boston shuttle to get to Athletes Village because all the roads are closed. You can't get anywhere close to Athletes Village. Even if we had had a car, like if you had a rental car or if we had called an Uber to take us out to the start line, you're going to have to get dropped off somewhere where then a Boston shuttle comes, which is a school bus, and takes you to Athletes Village. So I don't really know that I would go that route. And I hate to say, well, I was supposed to be there at 8.15 and the yellow bibs were already there. So next time I'm going to get there at 7.45 because to me, that's not fair to the white bib group before me. And a lot of people on social media are complaining, saying, why didn't the volunteers enforce the rules? Well, I mean, a lot of the volunteers are high school kids, like just out doing a public service. And all 30,000 or all 25,000 of us runners knew what our bus time was. So to me, if there were yellow bibs there before nine o'clock, that's not on the volunteers. Mm -hmm. That's on those runners. But I can see why they do it because had Suzanne and I been five seconds later, our whole race would have been different. I think I've told this story before, but I think I feel like it ties in good with your bus story about when I was at Boston in 2011 with some of my LPG buddies. My bib number was in the 600s and I was standing with my buddies waiting to get on a bus and an adult volunteer looked over and pointed at me and said, you, you need to get on the bus right now. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm with my friends and said, bring them along. Y'all need to get on the bus right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. there was nobody looking out for, nobody was saying, hey, you bib numbers are a little bit higher. You all need to step aside and let the blue bibs come through. Like, there was none of that. Now, maybe earlier in the day, maybe the red bibs get treated with a little bit more respect than us meager little blue bibs. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but all in all, I liked the rolling start and I liked not having to wait in line. But in April, this with the mass start, and maybe it was just because it was back on the traditional Patriots Day, like the crowd support and screaming was at least double of what it was in October. So, and it sounds like I'm complaining. I'm not. We had a great race and feel like the Lord took care of Suzanne and I, and we got to leave from Corral 7 as planned. And as we were 
in Corral 7, as they dropped the barrier from Corral 8 right behind us, they also dropped all the waves in front of us. So we were walking up through the corrals through waves 6, 5, 4, like headed to the start line. And you could see other blue bib athletes coming up the side trying to walk up to their 5, 4, 3. Because mm-hmm. if we had been in Corral 6, 5, 4, 3... We would have missed our corral. And you could see all those people trying to get in their corrals, but they were already open. And so then you would have been behind the people in corral eight. Mm-hmm. Eight, nine, yeah. Which would have had an impact on how quick you could have run the first few miles. Yeah, because it was definitely packed. And the, the other thing, too, is even at mile, even at the finish line, I think if you compare my October finish line pictures to my April this past week pictures. I think there are even a lot more finishers around me in April. Hereford and and Boylston were packed. Like when I ran in October, I could just stay on the blue line that was painted. It just made me feel, you know, like all athletic. But it was so crowded and the runners were moving so slowly, I actually had to go all the way out wide to the far side of the street to go up. Hereford and down Boylston without mm-hmm. almost walking because there were there were a, there was a lot of carnage in the race at that point, but it was packed and it was fun and the crowds were overwhelming. You know what? I didn't cry this time though. Last time I was just so overcome with emotion. Yeah, the last time was your first time in Boston, mm-hmm. and you had worked so hard for it for so long. Yeah, such a huge accomplishment. So this time was a, a revenge attempt at the course and you certainly did run faster than before yeah i was definitely more prepared because as we've talked about before i didn't realize i was i was racing in october until about three weeks before we made that decision that i would go in october and i had not been i was trained like i had been running but i had been training on all flat terrain so this time I felt much better I felt fine I mean there were some uh there was some stress leading up and I didn't sleep a whole lot the week going into um the April race which I mean it's not really important but you're it does um reinforce what we tell our athletes is the body really doesn't distinguish between stress like if you're not sleeping if you're not eating well, if you have a lot going on in your life, all of that is going to accumulate and create stress on your body as well. So I knew going into the race that I was not well tapered, we'll say, just because of all the, everything that hit on what would traditionally have been the taper week. But I could tell after the race, and really even during the race, that my fitness was so much better. Because in October, when I had climaxed Heartbreak Hill, my plan then was to settle back into a race pace and my quads were shot and so I could barely I could barely do two minutes slower than race pace without <laughs> my legs just folding under me. But this time after Suzanne and I crested Heartbreak Hill, we immediately got into goal marathon pace and felt great really all the way to the finish. So an awesome race. Yeah. It was fun. I was, oh, I was going to say, I don't know if anybody else would find this funny, but I always like to mention the funniest or most interesting sign that I saw along the course. And there was a big um, fat head of Will Smith, and it just said something like, defend, uh, defend Chris Rock. And people were going by smacking the... <laughs> <laughs> the Will Smith fathead. I did not smack the Will Smith fathead, but I mean, it was kind of funny. And I will say, having, I don't, I don't watch those shows. What was it? The Grammys? I think so. Yeah, I don't watch that stuff. It's just, it's just not of huge interest to me. But I have seen several video clips of the quote unquote slap heard around the world. And Honestly, my takeaway from that is I just feel like Chris Rock handled himself with so much class in that situation. Like it made me think of when, uh, you know, the Old Testament talks about carrying out the law, an eye for an eye. But then in the New Testament, Jesus talks about interpersonal relations of turn the other cheek. And I just felt like Chris Rock did handle that so well. (laughs) And it may have just been complete shock and didn't know how to react, but... Sometimes when we're in shock and 
not prepared for how we're going to react, your true character comes out and just impressed with him. Yeah, and he was doing his job, telling <laughs> telling jokes and making fun of people. And yeah, he handled himself really well. Yeah. So do you want to talk about Boston at all from a spectator point of view? Sure, I'll, I'll talk about my experience as a spectator. So we decided on Sunday before the marathon that we wanted to do a trial run of spectating and navigating the public transportation. So we determined that we would go and get on the commuter rail to go out to Wellesley and scope it out. So we went to the so we went to the Back Bay station, which is a larger train station that has the T line and the commuter rail. And when we got there, we learned that the next commuter rail leaving Back Bay was an hour later. And we decided rather quickly that we were not going to do a test run because it was already five o'clock. And if we don't get on the train to go out to Wesley till six o'clock, and then it's going to take a while to get out there, it was going to be a late night. So we decided to just ask questions and develop our plan. So we were able to get a one-day special marathon pass for the commuter rail for $15 a person. And we were glad to get that a day in advance so that we wouldn't have to wait in any lines the next day. So the morning of the race, after dropping you off at the buses, we headed to Back Bay. We waited for the train. And How long was that wait? It was about 20 minutes. And the, the station wasn't overly crowded because the marathon hadn't started yet. And it wasn't starting for quite a while. So you got to the bus loading area around 8.15. So maybe 8.30. We are waiting to get on a commuter rail. And the pro athletes weren't going to start until 9.30. And then the age group athletes were starting around 10 o'clock. Okay. So we didn't have any trouble getting on the commuter rail train heading out. And it was a really cool train. I have not ridden on very many trains, but it was a double-decker train. And it was very clean. It was smooth. And it was rather quick. But I do want to take a tangent here, since we're talking about trains. The day before, Lee and I ventured out to go to a grocery store, the Whole Foods. And we had to pick up a few things for the ladies. You know, their pre-race nutrition and all. Well, after we got our groceries, we went to get on one of the T trains, the Green Line, and we asked someone who was also waiting for the train, we asked, are you a local? Yes, I am a local. And we indicated which direction we intended to go on this particular train, and this individual told us that we needed to exit this station, go across the street, and get on the train going in the other direction. So we had already used our Charlie card to get to this train. So then we exited, walked across the street, went down. Our Charlie card wouldn't work to get in to the other side of that particular station. It said, not enough value. We had no idea what was going on. So eventually, I pushed a call button next to the ticket dispenser, and somebody answered and was talking to me, and we figured out that you can only use your card once every 20 minutes. So we were stuck for a few more minutes, and then we finally get through this gate, to get to the train, only to find out that the original location was going in the right direction. We had been misled. Eventually, we did make it back to the hotel with the groceries intact. They had not spoiled, but it was a learning experience, and now we know. Yes, I was confused with the trains the entire weekend because we stayed on the opposite side of the starting line in Boston Commons this time. So I was acclimated to getting on and off the train from the Longwood Inn 
And so I had to really think about it to make sure I was going in the correct direction because at Longwood Inn, if you wanted to go toward the starting line, you went toward Government Center. And if you wanted to go <laughs> back, you didn't go toward Government Center. And it was kind of just the opposite of where we were. All right. So back to spectating race morning. We're on the commuter rail. We head out, out to Wellesley. And there's three different Wellesley stops. We had decided we were going to Wellesley Square because we wanted to be at the halfway point because you had indicated that you would appreciate it if you could do a bottle exchange with us so that you only had to carry one of your two fuel belt bottles. So we were at the halfway point and Wellesley Square was a really nice main street type of city with some quaint little shops and uh, just a neat little area but it was not crowded at all. We found a spot right along the course up against the barricade, right outside of a toy store and an organic smoothie shop that had a restroom. It's funny you say it wasn't crowded. I'm guessing you meant when you arrived it wasn't crowded because when we ran through that area, the crowds were deep. Well, where Lee and I were standing, we were up against the barricade, and there weren't people stacked behind us, but there was certainly a bunch of people next to us. So it was bumper-to-bumper, side-by-side people. And so some people were holding their hands out, trying to get the athletes to clap, which I was really surprised. A lot of athletes were clapping hands and spreading germs, but, but that did interfere with my photography having somebody's hand sticking out but it was really amazing watching the wheelchair athletes come through and then the hand cyclists and then the professional men and then the professional women and we saw some visually impaired athletes and then this swarm of age group athletes and it was pretty cool. You could tell where one wave started and ended because it would start to increase in thickness of athletes and then it would taper off and then it would grow again and then it would taper off. But we were in a great spot and you and Suzanne had expected to see us before the halfway point. Well, we were about 100 yards away from the halfway point, so probably a little closer to the half than what you expected, but thankfully... You all saw us. We saw you. I got a little bit of video footage. You got your bottle. Suzanne got her bottle. Life is good. I have not always been the best at delivering your hydration to you, but hey, (laughs) this was a good one. Mesa was the funniest. This was good. I had my bottle out, and you're like, oh, but there wasn't anything to be done about it. Like, the show had to go on. But yes, the exchange went off without a hitch this time. I was running on my injury in Mesa, trying to find you and give you your bottle later on after I made that mistake. Yeah, well, you didn't need to do that. I I was wondering, when I was spectating Boston in 2018 in the 37 degree and torrential rain, I found it interesting you know you would see at first like a sea of red bibs and then you would see red bibs or you would see a lull and then you would see red bibs interspersed with white bibs and so you knew the red bibs weren't having their best day and then Mm -hmm. same you the white way would pass with its red bibs in it and then you get to the blue bibs and at the beginning of that you'd see red white and blue So, yeah. I don't remember paying attention to the color of the bibs this time, but I was paying attention to the bib numbers. And as the day went on, you could tell that the average bib number was increasing and getting closer and closer to your bib number. There you go. There you go. So after you and Suzanne passed us, we made a beeline back to the commuter rail And as I mentioned earlier, the commuter rail is on a fixed schedule. And I glanced at it, the fixed schedule, and I thought, oh man, it's not coming again for another hour. But as we approached 
the loading area, there was a huge crowd and there was a sign, a, a display, saying that the train was about 15 minutes behind schedule. So Perfect. that was a blessing because if we had missed the train and had to wait an hour, we may not have made it to the finish line before you had. But we got on the train and it was packed, standing room only. And on the way to Wellesley, one of the commuter rail employees walked around like you would see in an old-timey movie where people were on a train and somebody would check to make sure you had a ticket and you know maybe stamp it or something but on the way back there were so many people there was no way they were going to be able to check the tickets and but hey we had our $15 all-day ticket so we were good but so we made it back to the back bay station and we hustled out and there were people everywhere you know at this point a lot of people had finished the marathon it's, it's only because they got to start at 9 30 and i didn't get to start till 10 50 exactly <laughs> exactly it wasn't because i was seated 22,518th in the race i mean that had something to do with it that you were starting so much further behind than some people. But anyway, we had plenty of time to get to our designated meeting area, which was just beyond the finish after you had an opportunity to get your Mylar blanket and your medal and a bag of snacks. We did not decide to meet in the family meeting area. We had a different location that was in the direction of the hotel. Yeah, and as soon as you come out of the barricaded finish area, you walk into an open road, like cross traffic is open, for which I had no idea. So Suzanne and I are sitting there hugging each other, and all these cars are honking. We're standing in the middle of a don't walk (laughs) intersection, and you're going, you're in the road, you're in the road. Yeah, and that's right where our meeting area was at, just on the other side of that intersection. (laughs) But you know... Boston really embraces the marathon, and there was not a single horn honking with you all standing in the middle of the road hugging. I not think, that I heard. I think there was some horn honking. All right, well, it must have been an hour. It's on video. We can go back and check the video. But, I mean, it's no big deal. We shouldn't have been standing in the middle of the road. But I just wasn't aware of my surroundings. But on a positive note, you know, your bib numbers are numerical based on your seed time. And so... I was seated as the 22,518th fastest runner in that field. And I finished, I don't remember the exact time, but I finished in the 18,000s. So I felt pretty good about that. Good job, girl. Yeah. So I bested my October time by 7 minutes, 3 seconds. I didn't qualify by 3 minutes, 3 seconds. But hey, it was still a fun day and a great race, but... I know you think I'm crazy, but I still think I have a score to settle at Boston. But we'll see. Lots of races and lots of things swimming through my head right now. The only other thing I wanted to mention is the post-race celebration after the race was at Fenway Park. So we got to go and get on the warning track in the outfield out by the Green Monster. Yeah, what was the most fun to me at Fenway Park was the green screen where you got to hold a bat and get a picture as if you were holding a bat in the ballpark and they put a nice little background behind it. Yep. So I have my little baseball card now. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. You know, at the top of the podcast, we usually do a little bit more small talk And I do have to give a shout out because today we had a birthday party for our son who is going to be 30 years old this week. It's hard to believe. Yeah. And uh, so we just had a few of his friends and cousins over, kept it small, just kept the invites within his generation to keep things small. And I thought it was fun. We played some games that made everybody feel, you know, a little awkward because, you know, some challenging games. But... Oh my goodness, little Eliane was just good as gold. She played independently and rode around on the floor and was in the best mood the whole time. She's something else. 
And a big shout out to Bethany who planned all the games and got all the decorations. And it was just, um, it took a lot of stress off me. Mm -hmm. And also a happy birthday to one of our athletes, Chaney. Oh, yes. Teenager today. Who, at the time of this podcast, the birthday was actually yesterday. And I'm sure if we didn't already have a birthday party planned for our son, Jacob, that we would have gotten an invitation to her birthday party. To Chaney's middle school birthday party. I'm kind of surprised that we didn't. But, you know, she may have already known we had plans. Yeah, I think we're a little old. We may cramp her. Uh, style so but she's full of energy and a joy and i just pray the lord blesses her year as she begins her 14th trip around the sun and just pray a blessing on her that she uh always follow and do what the lord has for her precious little life you ready for the scripture well let's wrap this thing up with a scripture i was reading this morning in first timothy and just something stood out at me we talked earlier about the struggles in Ukraine, and we know that in the United States, we are so much, we have so much more luxury than much of the rest of the world. But this scripture just really stood out to me. It's chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. Paul is talking to Timothy, who he considers to be like a uh, spiritual son to him. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.